Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, 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 and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are here today. We're going to talk about three misconceptions or lies that people are believing that are actually holding them back from making progress with their little one, with their picky eaters. So maybe you fall into this category, or maybe if you're like most of us, including you know myself as well, I just noticed that some of these beliefs that I hold on to, I halfway believe, but I don't fully believe, but it still kind of holds me back. It's like I'm half and half. Like some days on a good day, I'm like, no, that's not true for me. I can totally overcome this. I've got this. I can figure this out. But then on a bad day, I'm like, nope, it's just is what it is, right? It, it's just what it is. I don't even need to look at it because I already know how it's going to go. And, you know, this is the belief or the common misconception that I hold to. And sometimes I give into that as well. And so if you're anything like me, you might live kind of in the middle of these, or you might have this voice or this belief kind of playing in the background of your head that you believe might be kind of true. So then you just kind of like give up, especially on hard days. So we're going to break those down today. The first one I want to jump into is I'm too late. It's too late. It's my kid is too far gone. Things have gone way beyond where I thought that they would or in the most ideal sense of things. I should have avoided this. I should have done more to prevent it from happening. I should have changed kind of how I approach this to begin with. And now that I didn't do that, I'm I'm just too late. It's we're too far gone. We're too far in. We've dug too big of a hole. It's not worth even trying to get out. And this is true with picky eating. I probably get a message every single day, if not multiple times per day, of a parent or a mom telling me that it's too late. Or they're asking me, is it too late? Is my kid, they're this age or that age, is it too late for me to make a change? Or no, 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 you don't understand. They only eat this many foods or they only eat these kind of textures or they gag every time they eat or whatever it might be. Just fill in the blank with either your kid's age or what they do or don't do with food. And you kind of make a comment of like, am I too late? (laughs) Is there anything I can do? Or saying, no, 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 I know it's already too late, but thanks for the tips anyways, you know? And so I want to encourage you and remind you that no, it is never too late. In fact, I have adults coming to me most every day telling me that they use their own tip or my own tips on themselves and it has helped them overcome picky eating. In fact, I have many parents who took my Table Talk picky eating course and said, not only did it help my kid, like hands down, absolutely, but it also helped me. I'm now eating XYZ foods and this is true for me as well. I actually used to not like mushrooms and now they are growing on me. Now I only like them in certain circumstances, but still Still, I've added, added mushrooms to some of my list of favorite foods and especially in certain dishes. And so you are never too late. In fact, I oftentimes like to say that the second that you give up trying to get them to like some certain food, that is when they've made the decision that they're never going to eat it, right? Because if we're in charge of what goes on the plate, what gets put in front of them, and we stop putting, you know, mushrooms, let's say, for example, in front of them, then that is how we guarantee that those foods will not be accepted, will not be liked, will not be eaten by our children, right? That is when that decision has been made. And so it's never too late. You want to keep trying. There are always tactics that you can take to try and get your little ones to try a new food or try a previously loved food or a never touched before food, but you've provided a million times before. It is 
never too late. Now, there are certain things that you can do for different aged children or different food aversions or preferences that they might currently have to get them to try new foods. And that's exactly what I break down inside Table Talk. So we're not going to get into that today. But I do want to encourage you that it is never too late. There are always things you can do depending on your children's age or ability or uh, level of openness to trying new things or being kind of on the same team as you to approach new foods. It is never too late, no matter how old they are, continue offering the foods that you want them to experience and to experiment with. And this actually kind of leads me into the second mindset that I hear all the time from parents, uh, especially and particularly people who don't follow me or who aren't kind of a part of our community. They'll say things like, what are you talking about? Your kid's not picky. It's just food preferences. They'll say, oh, everyone has food preferences. Just let your kid have their own food preferences. Like for example, they'll say things like, I don't like XYZ foods and I can't expect my kids to like all foods. And yes, this is 100% true. I agree. However, I believe and know this to be true that there is a big difference between food preferences and picky eating. So let me explain, because I will say that I can understand where this this argument comes from. Nine times out of 10, it comes from a parent who doesn't have a true picky eater and just has someone or a child who's under their care who just has food preferences, who just decides or chooses not to eat something that maybe is regularly offered or is in the home quite often, and they just don't like that food. And that is 100% true and does happen with children, with adults, with, you know, whatever age group we're working with, food preferences are very real. And I am not here to say the the gold standard or where we should be getting our children is to like every single food on the planet. What I am saying is that the gold standard is to get your kid to a place where they are willing to try new foods, where they are open to accepting new foods to be put on their plate, to be served inside the home, maybe to get them to realize that they can change their mind about food that they once didn't like, and maybe in the future they will like. And so getting them to a place that they're more open, they're more adventurous, is really one of the biggest goals of overcoming picky eating. On top of that, we want to make sure that they're eating a variety of foods, fruits, vegetables, dairy, grains, legumes. We're looking at, you know, all sorts of different food groups that they're willing to eat at least a handful of foods from each food group. And of course, if they are willing to accept or try foods from different food groups, they're going to have a different reaction to that food probably almost every time. And over time, they will develop their own unique tastes and flavors and food preferences. But deciding not to eat rice because it's overwhelming to them, it's scary to them, they don't like how sticky it is, they don't like the texture, or whatever it might be, is more a picky eating behavior than a food preference behavior, especially if they've only had it a handful of times in their life. If you think about a food preference that you have as an adult, nine times out of 10, that's coming from a place where you have experienced that food. You've tried that food. Maybe you've tried to be a little creative with it, tried it with different dishes, with different flavors, and it's just not your thing. And that is totally fine. And that is completely different than being picky about different foods. Again, picky eating isn't, you know, isn't super defined. And so when we talk about picky eating, it's really about how you're perceiving the family dynamic that's happening in your home. So if you have a picky eater, it's likely impacting the choices that you're making at home, what you're serving, what you're not serving, what you're bringing to the home, what you're not bringing to the home, what you're expecting of them. Maybe you're worried about how much they're growing, if they're growing, if they're getting the right nutrients, if they're you know, maybe um, deficient in a different vitamin or mineral or whatever 
it might be, that is picky eating. That's now impeding not only their health, their growth, their development, but also how you parent, how you show up to the table, how you cook food, how you provide meals for your family. That is picky eating. And that is something that I believe can be and should be addressed in the home. This is not food preferences where there's a food randomly here or there. This means, hey, we're starting to limit the amount of foods, especially in different food groups, maybe not even eating from every single food group that our little one is willing to eat. That's picky eating. So that's a little bit of a difference. So I can see where that argument kind of takes hold in your brain of thinking, oh, there's just food preferences, everything, you know, not everything is for everybody. And I completely understand that. However, we also want to kind of going back to what I said in the beginning of this episode, we want to create an environment where our children are always being exposed to new foods, to foods again and again and again, so that they get to make an informed decision about food for themselves. And when they become an adult, Obviously, having the skill of trying new foods, being inventive, being creative, bringing new foods in to their palate over and over and over again, and continuing that work kind of for you or for them really is really kind of the goal. So, uh, like for myself with mushrooms, you know, when I was a child, I didn't like mushrooms or maybe even a better example, sweet potatoes. I didn't like sweet potatoes as a kid. Uh, the color freaked me out. I remember. I would see yams come in a can around Thanksgiving and I was just like, "Uh, heck no, I'm not interested in that at all. It looked shady and I was like, absolutely not. So I just never tried it, which is a picky eating behavior. That's not a food preference. That's a picky eating behavior because I had never even experienced it for myself to make a decision. I had just like made a kind of... um, gut decision based on what I was seeing, based on the, uh, maybe the smells, the aromas, whatever that might've been going on. I can even like still cringe when I think about it. However, as I grew up and started to challenge myself and try new foods and, and get uh, a little bit healthier, healthier alternatives, I started trying sweet potatoes and turned out, no, I actually really liked them, but I didn't like them out of a can. I liked them fresh, diced up, fried in butter, added with salt and pepper and delicious flavorings and, you know, even butter and cinnamon or however it was, but I started to be a little bit more adventurous. And so that, that one person could have perceived as a food preference was actually me being picky that eventually I pushed myself, pushed my limits towards trying a new food, which is a skill we want to teach our kids as young ones so that they can bring them into, you know, young childhood, adulthood, adolescence, all those different stages to then have a skill of trying new foods in different ways to eventually broaden and widen their experience with food. And that's the goal. Now, yes, food preferences will still happen. However, that is not that is not the primary issue we typically see in young children because they likely have not had enough experience with the food to then determine if they do or don't like it. That's not always true, but just in general, what we're talking about here. So typically I see this kind of question or belief take hold in parents that don't have true picky eaters, but then parents of true picky eaters will just hold on to that thought like, oh yeah, everyone has food preferences. So do I, I get it, you know, and kind of won't lean into continuing to expose their little ones to new foods or using different flavors or different tactics or techniques to help them develop that skill of being open to trying new foods, which is where we see that decision being made for them right? So if they never have fish when they're children, chances are as adults, they're going to say, oh, it's a food preference. I don't like fish. 
well, is it that you really don't like fish or did you just not get exposed to it and experience with it as a child and throughout your adolescence years and early adulthood even to make a decision for yourself? So is it truly an informed decision or was it decided for you by your parents, right? And that's where we don't want to let the belief of our child having a food preference stop us from continuing to offer that food. I hope that's making sense. I hope you're tracking with me because I know that was kind of a lot, but I know that belief comes up uh, quite frequently. All right, real quick, I want to say a big thank you to the sponsor of today's podcast, and that is Paleo Valley. If you've been around for a minute, you know I love Paleo Valley. And if you're new around here, then you should definitely check them out. And it's a good day to do so because I actually have a discount for you to go to paleovalley.com backslash littles to get 15% off your order. So not only do I love Paleo Valley for their supplements and all of those sorts of things, but specifically, I love their snacks. I always put in a really great order from Paleo Valley, including their beef sticks. Top tip for mom fast snacks that are shelf stable, stay in your purse, stay in your car. When you need a little pick me up, high in protein and very delicious. And I do not typically like meat sticks. So this is a big deal, honestly, coming from me. I absolutely love them. So that's a Uh, must have for me. I run out the door all the time and grab their meat stick and a string cheese. And on top of that, I also love their bars. I'm not a bar person, you guys. I actually dislike most of the bars that are out there on the market, if not for the taste or the flavor, um, then for the ingredients. And Paleo Valley has great ingredients, a great mix of protein, fat, carbs, vitamins, minerals, all the things packed into a convenient bar. Again, something that can live in the purse or the diaper bag. I've given them to my kids as well, uh, but mostly I save them for me because they're delicious. I just got the red uh, velvet cake flavor. So good. So good. So I'm going to leave the link in the description box below. Make sure to go check them out. I'm really nitpicky with the ingredients of my snack foods, especially, and I love Paleo Valley. Of course, in the, in the market for some supplements, they have great ones there as well. So you can definitely check that out. I almost always get asked where my protein powder is from almost anytime I make a smoothie or protein pancakes, and it's from Paleo Valley. So you can check it out at the link in the box below and grab a discount. And I'm pretty sure if you order enough, it's it's free shipping as well. So check that out and I will let you get back to the show. And finally, the last kind of mindset or belief that a lot of parents are holding on to that keeps them stuck with picky eating is it's just a phase right? This is such an easy one. And in fact, I think as parents, we tend to use this for a lot of things because I do truly believe in that saying or that mindset of every there's everything is just for a season, right? Like this too shall pass, essentially belief of saying like, hey, this is really hard right now, but this too shall pass both in good ways and in bad, right? In parenting, we know the good stages of them holding your hand when you cross the street and cuddling up with you early in the morning and asking you to rub their back when they're going to sleep. As sweet as that is, it's also just a phase and this too shall pass. One day they're going to move out. One day they're going to have a partner who does that for them. One day, you know, they're not going to want you to sit in their room or you're going to go to bed before them, whatever those phases are coming to an end. And so this too shall pass is both good and bad. We, we know that no matter how hard it is or no matter how good it is, everything is just for a season, right? And so I can understand the belief, the mentality between behind it's just a phase. And we're actually going to do a deep dive episode on this belief of it's just a phase because I think 
There's a lot to unpack there. Just the wording of it, of it's just a phase. That word just really makes us feel like it's not a big deal, like it doesn't impact us and that it'll be quick, breezy, and we'll be through it, right? Which we all know is not the case. That is not true for picky eating. And so that belief of it's just a phase can sometimes limit us or hold us back from doing anything to change it because we think, oh, we just need to ride it out. We just need to get to the end of the tunnel. We just need to, you know, whatever, continue moving forward. And eventually this will just go away on its own, which is in it of itself, just not necessarily true. In fact, for most kids, if we do nothing, if we don't try to actively try and help them get over picky eating, it can usually worsen, deepen, take longer, and potentially even follow them into adulthood um, as picky eaters, kind of what we were talking about before between food preferences versus picky eating. So there's a lot to unpack there, but the thing I really want to focus on in this belief, this mindset that we have of it's just a phase kind of holding us back isn't necessarily about is it or is it a phase, right? It's really about, okay, what does this phase mean for you? Because there are a lot of things as children, especially that are just phases, but impact me a lot, right? Like a lot, like the quality of my life, the quality of my parenting, the um, connections that I have with my kid are interrupted or affected by a phase they might be going through or a phase I might be going through, whatever it might be. And so I just want to encourage you that let's say we say, yes, pick eating is a phase, right? Like we just put that, that's a fact. Like, okay, pick eating is a phase, right? We don't know how long will last, true or false? True, right? Like we don't know. This could be over tomorrow. This could be over in a month. This could be over in a year. For most parents, picky eating lasts for well over a year. Okay. Now, people in my community have said it's been well over two years that they've been battling or struggling with picky eating. So when we think of how how quickly our children's lives go, especially when they're in our home, when they're under our care, majority of the time, right? That's a long time. That's a long time to be battling with your kid, to struggling, to be struggling at dinner time, at mealtime with what to make them. Are they going to eat this? Are they eating enough? Are they growing enough? Should they have more protein? Should they have more calcium? Do they have enough vitamin D? Do they need more iron? Oh my goodness, they're so lethargic. They need to be eating more because they're so tired during the day. Are they lethargic because of nutrition? Are they lethargic about something else? Are they lethargic because they're not getting enough sleep? Are they tired because they're not eating well enough to get good enough quality sleep? Like all these thoughts going through our head all the time because of picking eating, right? Oh my gosh, they haven't had a vegetable in over a month or a year or six months or six weeks, whatever it might've been. Oh my gosh, they skipped dinner. They skipped their snack. They will only eat snacks. They won't eat meals. All these thoughts constantly berating our brains all day because we have a picky eater. So yes, it's a phase and it's affecting us and it's affecting maybe, maybe the type of parent we are compared to the type of parent we want to be. Maybe it's affecting our relationship with our children. Maybe it's affecting our relationship with not only the picky eater, but also their siblings. Maybe it's affecting a relationship with our partner because now we're on different pages of how to handle picky eating, right? So yeah, it's a phase. Does that mean we don't get help for it? Does that mean we just let it be and ride it out and white knuckle it and just hope that these years pass quickly? Is that really how we want to spend this phase, this time that we will be spending in this phase? I would argue no. In fact, anytime my child has gone through a phase that I feel like it's draining me, (laughs) impacting my relationship with them or with my husband or our family, I've seeked help because I know the faster I get help in any way, shape or form, by the way, this podcast is one form, right? The faster I get help, the faster we can overcome this, the less it strains our family long-term, the more confident I feel 
that I'm doing something, the right thing, I'm on the right track to get out of this the fastest way possible. Right now, you have to trust your sources. You have to find something and invest in something, maybe time, maybe money, maybe both to find that answer. But oh my gosh, if it's a phase that's going to last one, two, three, four, five years of your child's life, maybe even more, that means it's also affecting your life that long. And what if there was a way that this phase didn't affect them and their nutrition and their growth and their excitement around meals and their, you know, mood around the table and their ultimately their um, really growth span of how they grow up, what if that was not as negatively affected by pick eating? What if our relationship to our children, to our husbands, uh, even our mindset, the way that we think, the thoughts that we think, like I just went down that barrage of thoughts you might be having, the spiraling, the spinning out of control, the constant Googling, finding things on Instagram, trying it. Oh, it worked today, but not tomorrow. And it stopped working and all these different things. I got to try a thousand new things. And oh my gosh, I just read this thing that I'm doing everything wrong, right? Like what if this phase of picky eating doesn't have to be like that? What if this phase of picky eating can be brief? What if this phase of picky eating, we can be out of it in just a few weeks? or maybe even faster, right? That's worth getting help. That's worth focusing on something to seek the support in order to start reversing it. And so I want to push back on this belief of, oh, it's just a phase, just white knuckle it, grit and bear it, get through it. It happens to all of us. Be in the trenches forever when actually there's a ladder. You you can climb out. There is a way to enjoy this stage of life, to enjoy mealtimes that are peaceful, to feed your children healthy variety of foods so that they can grow and develop and have better moods and better appetites and be more open to new foods. And you get to experiment more in the kitchen and be more creative and go out to eat and go over to friends' houses and birthday parties and not worry about having enough of the right food to feed your kid because they'll only eat certain things, right? There's so much that goes into a picky eating quote unquote phase that affects our life and of course their life, but also our family culture, our family dynamic. And so I just want to encourage you that this belief of it's just a phase doesn't mean that you just have to like bow down and take it, right? Like that doesn't mean there's nothing you can do. And in fact, I challenge you that on any other phases of childhood, the answer is almost never just deal with it. (laughs) Just suck it up and do nothing. There's almost always something that you can do, what I like to say, to build scaffolding to support your child in getting themselves out of that phase, teaching them how to rise above it, how to move past it, and how to move out of it, right? And in doing so, also improve the family culture, your relationship to your child, your own mindset, the the thoughts that you're thinking, the relationship you have to them, but also your experience in parenthood, in motherhood, in these moments, which I think is extremely important and oftentimes overlooked, right? Overlooked. (laughs) This is just what parenthood is. Deal with it. Just wait until this happens. Just wait until that happens. All these sorts of things, right? So I hope uh, this has been helpful. I hope this episode has helped you recognize maybe some thought patterns that you might be having that's keeping you stuck from making changes or progress or, you know, even seeking the support that you need, whatever it might be. But I also hope this episode kind of pointed out the bigger idea here that there are beliefs out there that are just plain wrong and and, or these beliefs out there that maybe they're true, but it doesn't mean you can't do anything. 
It doesn't mean it has to keep you stuck. So I hope this episode was helpful. And if it was, uh, I would love to hear about it. If you are able to leave a written review for the podcast, it would mean so much to me. Likely you found this podcast because somebody recommended it to you or you thought it sounded interesting, whatever it might be. And so writing your thoughts about this podcast in the review section can help so much sharing this podcast with other people. That's how the algorithm decides who to push it out to or whatever that is. I would just be so um, grateful to you for doing that. And I will catch you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.